spotlighting Hawaii's leaders. We want to bring in Governor David E. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Lieutenant Governor, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Mayor Derek Kawakami. Thank you so much, uh, Senator, for being here. Spotlighting the issues. Where is the virus right now in our community? How much is this overall going to cost the state? How are you responding to the community's concerns? Talk about the level of citations that you guys are writing. Spotlight Hawaii with Yanji Denise and Ryan Kalei Suji on the digital platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Chaminade University. Well, good morning and thanks so much for tuning in here on this Monday morning. Great to see so many of you starting the week with us here in Spotlight Hawaii. I'm Ryan Kalesuji, joined by Yanji Denise. And Yanji, this morning we head back to the Hawaii State Capitol. That's right. We are lucky again to be joined by Governor David Ige live from his office there. Uh, Governor, you made some big announcements on Friday, so we want to follow up on some of the changes that the community can expect to see. One of the things that stuck out was... Hilton Rathel uh, saying that hospitalization should no longer be considered part of the metric. What are you looking at now uh, if that's not the key indicator? Well, I would just want to clarify that, Yanji. You know, I think all we, we will always be looking at um, hospitalizations and the ICU capacities um, to make decisions. I think we were all just um, you know, feeling a lot better last week. There's been tremendous improvement in the hospital situation. Uh, you know, the COVID cases are down by more than two thirds, six more than 60% reduction. COVID patients in hospitals were down by about six, more than uh, two thirds. Uh, and uh, the number in the um, ICU units uh, all around the state uh, was significantly down as well. So. Uh, you know, we still have more than 600 healthcare workers here from the mainland who are supporting our facilities. And so it, I think it will always be part of the um, metrics, but there has been significant improvement, especially in last two weeks. It's a tremendous reduction in COVID cases and in, in um, COVID patients in the hospitals. With that announcement on Friday, you laid out a timeline for different types of uh, restrictions being lifted and different accommodations based on uh, different groups and different activities that could resume or expand uh, in some way. When do you think further adjustments will be made? Because uh, there is, uh, of course, you know, for example, some of the seating capacity limits that are still set. When do you foresee some of those restrictions being lifted? You know, Ryan, we'll be following uh, the changes uh, Two, in two-week increments. So we'll be looking at, um, you know, what happens uh, after we um, have fans back at football games and volleyball games, you know, and um, thank goodness for the schedule. As you know, they are home, then they're away, and then they're home. So it's actually two weeks between uh, th those kinds of events. And uh, you know, we're working with the university so we can be monitoring what's happening and be aware. Uh, you know, they are definitely uh, really organized up at the university. They have reserved seating, which gives us the ability to see what's happening in all of those events. And that really is helpful. I just want to remind everyone that we, we still have 430,000 individuals who are not fully vaccinated uh, yet. And uh, 207,000 of those are our children. And so uh, we have to um, be mindful of that. We have to do the things we know that work. It's about wearing masks, 
um, and get vaccinated for those who um, are eligible but have not yet been vaccinated. Uh, and I think that that will help us all get back to normal. On Friday, the, the discussion was really centered on Oahu, and you said that you've been making some announcements for neighbor island uh, restriction changes in the coming days. What can we expect for that? You know, Yanji, one of um, the differences um, that we have in place is that uh, neighbor islands have been a lot more aggressive about um, implementing restrictions and um, and enforcing them. And so, you know, they have uh, been able to continue uh, with weddings on an outdoor basis. Uh, and so they are um, slightly ahead in the sense that um, those kinds of activities were, were not shut down. Um, and so uh, we continue to meet with the mayors a couple times a week to really think through the next phase about how we can, um, in a smart way, look at dropping restrictions and don't end up, um, you know, endangering or inflaming that spike that really is, is what we're all trying to avoid. Dave has an interesting question here I want to bring in. Please ask when I and others who are in the children's event businesses can do parties again like weddings can. These restrictions are really hurting us. One of the things that was mentioned in uh, your press conference on Friday was the restrictions of those who want to attend these events have to be vaccinated and thus children aren't considered in that category. Uh, when do you think uh, to answer Dave's question about maybe children specific events or allowing children to be a part of other events uh, with the vaccination not being made available to them? Um, well, I, I do think, and I want to emphasize, Ryan, that we uh, we do expect uh, in the next two weeks, uh, the CDC and the FDA to look specifically at um, children's vaccines. Um, we know that the Pfizer um, application for emergency use authorization for children five to 11 uh, will be um, evaluated um, on October 26th. So we do expect a, a decision about that, and that will have a tremendous change. Um, and I, I think that that would probably happen sooner than uh, anything else that we could do uh, to look at uh, events uh, with children. I want to uh, follow up on on his question a little bit too. In that, once those five to five to eleven year olds are approved, uh, what do you expect that rollout to look like? Do you think that they'll have vaccination clinics in schools? Do you expect, you know, how do we expect to make sure that all those kids have access to the vaccine in time? Um, Yanji, I think that's a great question, and and we do know, and I, you know, I have three children, and I I. I know that I went through my pediatrician uh, to get a vaccination. So uh, we're working really hard with the pediatricians all across the state uh, to make sure that they are prepared, that they can answer the questions uh, that many parents will have. Uh, and so we're working um, to get as many pediatricians to be able to offer vaccinations in their offices. That's uh, the primary focus. Uh, we continue to plan uh, vaccination clinics in schools because we do know that that's the next phase that would allow us to, uh, to reach more people. Uh, one of the real big challenges at this point is, as you are aware, the Pfizer vaccine does re require ultra cold storage. And it just gets to be a lot more complicated uh, to have uh, events at every single school, for example. Um, but we're we're kind of working through that, trying to think about 
um, operationally what would make the most sense about how you know how many um, you know how many students uh, results in too few of of those getting vaccinated to really put at risk us um, spoiling too many vaccines. Um, and um, what are the sizes of, of vaccination clinics that would make the most sense? So um, stay tuned. You know, we uh, have the template from the flu vaccinations that we've done in many schools for many years in the past. Uh, and we're working off of those templates. So, you know, we do believe uh, working to the pediatricians uh, and then looking at how to organize uh, school vaccine clinics would probably be the major, uh, major emphasis. Yeah, Ryan, if I could just follow on that, I mean, to put it in the pediatrician's office, just, you know, I have a two and a five year old. So we just did our flu shots. And, you know, it becomes this whole sort of logistical thing for parents to get the kids when they're not in school, if they happen to be in school, get them down to the office. Um, and then how are you going to do that? If you do have the vaccine clinics at schools, will you then have the parents have to come to the schools to be part of that vaccination process? You know, I know we did these large vaccination clinics when we rolled out the initial COVID vaccines, but there we were dealing with all adults. When you deal with children, it becomes a lot more cumbersome. Yeah, Yanji, that's why, you know, we know that um, having um, school clinics, especially for the younger children, is just is going to be really difficult. I mean, I think that we recognize that, um, you know, especially if the parents are not uh, there um, uh, or not available to to be with their um, children when they get vaccinated, um, and so uh, you know that's one of the challenges with the younger children. They um, they all have to get permission to be vaccinated, and then in many instances, parents want to be there when their child gets vaccinated as well. So um, that's just one one of the real big complications with the children's vaccine. And as it becomes more readily available for children, do you foresee providing a testing option for children as well for those parents who maybe are not as comfortable with maybe giving the or getting having their child take the vaccine, but wanting to include them in other family activities or taking them to events? Do you believe that a, a testing option could maybe be available for children as well? You know, Ryan, right now that will be an option just like it is now for the older children. Uh, one of the things that was pointed out to me, you know, I get a lot of calls from the general public, um, is that if your child um, is not vaccinated and they are exposed because of a classmate who um, who uh, got COVID or because they went to an event, uh, they will be out of school for um, 10 days in isolation uh, versus if they're vaccinated, um, they can get tested and return if they are not symptomatic. So that um, will be a big difference, I think, when when parents um, think about what is in their best, uh, their children's best interest, um, and you know, just want to remind people that you know, hundreds of millions of people have been vaccinated, and um, the, the vaccines are safe and effective. I want to switch gears for a second and talk a little bit about tourism. On this program uh, back in August, you had asked tourists to stay away for a time. Uh, are you telling people that they should still stay away or is it time to welcome the visitors back? Uh, Yanji, we are working on that, um, the timing and the message uh, right now. You know, I've been working with the Hawaii Tourism Authority and we've been working with the visitor industry to think through that. Um, 
last week, uh, they reminded me that it's not an instant on and off kind of situation. It does take them time to uh, rehire um, uh, people back. And uh, we do want to make sure that when we invite people back, that we have space and we have restaurants and other activities for them to do. Uh, so we, we will be working through this week to really uh, look at um, how and when we would be doing that. Uh, you know, as uh, as we see the trend continue and we are seeing uh, lower and lower case counts, um, we uh, definitely will be inviting tourists back. And it's just a matter of um, how we would do that. We had some hospitality leaders on the show last week, and one of the concerns that they expressed was not only just reopening it and, and making it known that Hawaii is open for visitors, but also to some of those larger events, uh, you know, some of the marathons, the Sony Open, some of these key marketing events that help to bring a lot of money into the state. Uh, is the is your administration or, you know, the departments that work specifically with those types of groups, are they trying, working hard to secure that? And, and what can you say about the um, availability, I guess, of the state to be able to welcome some of these larger events once again? Yeah, Ryan, we definitely are looking at it. As you know, last Friday, we announced that the Honolulu Marathon would be um, going on uh, with limited capacity. You know, we will be evaluating uh, that as we go along, as the case counts uh, fall and we get more people vaccinated, uh, we'll be uh, evaluating that. We do know that, um, you know, the Hon Honolulu Marathon is just a huge event uh, typically. Um, don't know if we'll get to 20,000 participants like we've had in the past, uh, but, you know, we're starting at 500 and then thinking through um, what that would mean. Uh, as you are aware, um, for those uh, who travel from Japan, they would be uh, vaccinated, fully vaccinated, and they would be tested um, as the CDC and the State Department is requiring that for international travel. Uh, so th that changes the dynamic a little. And, you know, we'll be looking at all of those factors and, and trying to make uh, decisions about how big an event we can have. You know, when we had you on before, you said that you were sort of watching and waiting to see how the Safe Access Oahu program and how the Safer Outside program on, a Maui, on Maui, how those would be playing out. What's your view of how those programs have worked? And is that something that you think the state should adopt statewide so that there isn't this sort of county by county hodgepodge where there are different rules for every county, but rather have one state system? You know, we continue to talk about that with the mayors, uh, Yanji. And in this case, um, you know, some were concerned, as as you are aware, um, a lot in the restaurant industry um, was very fearful of a mandate for uh, workers to be vaccinated uh, or, and or tested, um, and uh, certainly um, requiring customers to do the same. Uh, you know, I had uh, talked to a small business person and, um, you know, they were really, really enthusiastic about um, um, requiring vaccinations, even though they weren't required to do that. Uh, they, they sent an email out to their uh, normal customer base and they were surprised at the pushback from many of their longtime customers about uh, the vaccination requirement. So, you know, we are monitoring the situation. We did see a reduction in uh, cases, uh, COVID cases in restaurant um, facilities uh, in the last two weeks. And so 
it is promising, you know, we're thinking about how to um, re relax the restrictions on restaurants. Uh, we do know that um, the current uh, situation is very tough for them to, um, to continue to operate. Uh, and we know that we um, need to find a better way for them to uh, increase their business in a safe and healthy way. And what are you seeing with the vaccination rates right now? We know that there was a significant increase during that Delta surge, but as things have calmed down, as the state has gotten more people vaccinated, are you still seeing a large influx of individuals who are choosing to make that decision to get vaccinated or have things uh, con considerably slowed down? You know, Ryan, we're still seeing about uh, 30,000 per week now, which is, um, you know, how it did increase significantly. As you, as you may recall, about um, a month, six weeks ago, vaccination rates had fallen to uh, about um, 12,000 per week. Um, so we are now vaccinating about 30,000 a week, and it has been pretty steady. Um, I think as businesses have um, required vaccinations, uh, as you know, uh, President Biden uh, required it for all federal workers and contractors. Um, you know, they uh, announced all employers um, with 100 employees or more uh, will be required to um, have employees vaccinated or tested on a regular basis. I think all of those actions have increased the vaccination rate and, and we've held steady. Um, I do think that the children would um, increase that um, as well. And as you are aware, the, the boosters for uh, those eligible for Pfizer only uh, have boosted uh, those uh, who got the Pfizer vaccine uh, in getting vaccinated as well. There's a question here from Miguel uh, says, what are the measures for this holiday season, especially for the tourists? I actually want to expand that out and say, you know, also for the rest of us. As we start to plan, you know, Halloween is the first one up, but Thanksgiving is just around the corner and then Christmas after that. What is your advice? Because people are starting to make their holiday decisions now. Um, how should we look at this holiday season? Well, just a couple things, um, Yanji. Um, we do know that um, uh, travel does uh, increase the risk of, of, of getting infected. And especially as we see surges in other states, uh, you know, Hawaii continues, uh, when you look since the very beginning of the pandemic, um, amongst the lowest um, infection rates and death rates in the country, and that still continues. So, you know, I would just uh, suggest to people that they should uh, be uh, thinking about that, especially if they um, were planning to travel to somewhere to really check out virus activity in those locations. Um, Yanji, we've learned that being outside is safer than indoors. And so certainly um, I would suggest that people start thinking about what that could mean for their family gatherings. Uh, I know that I am, um, you know, we've canceled uh, fa family gatherings um, for two, um, uh, two holidays now. And uh, certainly uh, I've, we personally host uh, several of those gatherings, uh, usually indoors. Um, and we are thinking about what that would mean um, if we could do it outdoors. Um, and then, you know, finally, uh, you know, one of the things about COVID is about uh, minimizing risk. And unfortunately, uh, gathering with people that you don't know um, the vaccination status or, um, you know, whether they are symptomatic 
um, is one of the high risk activities. And then uh, drinking and eating um, just exacerbates that uh, in close proximity. So, uh, you know, I think uh, we should be talking about whether people are vaccinated, especially um, friends and family that you might be uh, inviting to your holiday um, festivities. Uh, and I do think that that will be um, part of um, this next holiday season. But I'm really hopeful um, that we will be able to have holiday gatherings. Uh, and I think that it won't be as restrictive uh, as it was last year for sure. Uh, but certainly I do think that um, the virus activity um, is on a good trend. I think we've all gotten better about wearing masks and about knowing the things that can put ourselves and our, our friends and family at jeopardy. Um, and I'm hopeful that um, we will have Thanksgiving gatherings and we will have um, Christmas gatherings uh, with our friends and family, especially. When we talk about the future and what living with COVID looks like, no doubt booster shots are gonna be involved in that conversation of how we manage this moving forward. Looking into possibly next year uh, and, and maybe even into the end of next year, as these studies continue to uh, come out about booster shots, is that going to be the next wave of requirements that you think will have to be implemented into allowing people into, say, sporting events or into other venues? Uh, and maybe if they only had the initial two shots that they won't be allowed, that that third shot is going to be needed. How do you manage uh, how do you see the state managing booster shots moving forward? Well, a couple of things, Ryan. You know, I do think that the state is uh, better prepared than most states. You know, the work that we've done with Safe Travels and the Smart Health Card really does allow us to create a, a process to verify um, vaccination status, at least within the state. Uh, and because we follow the national standard, the national Smart Health Card standard, um, you know, residents here who are vaccinated would also be able to prove their vaccination if they travel uh, to those states. Uh, California and New York are some of the largest that um, follow the national uh, smart health um, standards. Uh, so I, I do think that that is helpful. You know, Ryan, when I speak with um, physicians and uh, public health officials, they really anticipate that um, COVID will become like another um, disease like the flu, where um, they do anticipate that there would be um, boosters or vaccinations that would be recommended uh, to people. Um, you know, we are getting better, and it's fortunate that um, the COVID vac vaccines are a lot more effective and efficient um, for COVID than um, the flu. Uh, and so, you know, if you get a COVID, COVID vaccine, you know, you are really very well protected against serious uh, disease and illness. And I think that that's what we all look for um, in a vaccine. I, we've talked about this before, and I know it's changed under Delta. Initially, we had set out a goal of a 70% community vaccination rates, those two shots. We are uh, if not, they're already very close. But what is the new sort of goal? Is it 100% or is there no percentage that um, would lead to lifting restrictions? Yeah, uh, Yanji, there is no percentage that would lead to uh, blanket um, release of restrictions. Uh, you know, we do know that as we speak today, 
430,000 of our um, residents um, are not vaccinated or not completely protected. Um, and we need to continue to work to get um, more people um, vaccinated. I, I think that uh, that's something that will continue at least for the next several months. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that many in our community have chosen to get vaccinated. Uh, the unvaccinated is uh, just over 100,000 now, and it represents about um, just under 9% of our community. Uh, that are eligible but have chosen not to get vaccinated. Um, so, you know, I am hopeful that as people uh, realize that um, that it's safe and effective and they get tired of uh, getting tested every week or sometimes multiple times a week, uh, that um, more people will choose to get vaccinated. One of the things that you also have to consider during this time as the leader of the state is not only the physical well-being of the state, but just the economic side of this, of, of what COVID-19 has done to the state and trying to be able to balance the budget to continue to find means and, and ways for the state to be fiscally responsible and res, you know be able to manage all the programs and services that the state does provide. Uh, looking forward, as you look into 2022, as you prepare your budget, how are things looking on the economic standpoint? And how do you think moving forward, the state is going to be able to rebound by some of the impacts that COVID-19 has had and knowing that the federal support may not be uh, as uh, available as it was in la the last past year? You know, Ryan, Ryan, from a financial standpoint, um, we are actually well ahead of schedule of, of what we had anticipated uh, the rebound would look like. You know, as you might recall, in 2019, uh, we had a banner record year for visitor arrivals here. We crossed 10 million uh, visitors uh, and then COVID hit. And in 2020, um, you know, visitor arrivals dropped to 2 million or so, two, two and a half, three million, um, you know, and it was the worst year on record. Uh, you know, right now we're coming up on the uh, anniversary of safe travels. Uh, October 15th, if you recall, last year was um, when we launched safe travels. And we will have um, welcomed more than 7 million visitors in the, in the year since we initiated uh, safe travels. And if anyone had thought that we would get 7 million visitors in a year, uh, this time last year, I think um, no one had predicted that. So I think, Brian, we are I definitely, I'm aware that uh, many businesses are still struggling. Um, being able to hire um, back people and find employees has been a challenge. Um, but uh, we are ahead of schedule. Um, I do think that uh, one big um, uh, question mark is international travel. Uh, and as you are aware, um, the CDC and State Department announced that they would be um, allowing for international travel as long as people are fully vaccinated and uh, take a pre-arrival test. Uh, and so I'm, I'm hopeful, you know, right now, all of those visitors um, are mainly from North America. That's those 7 million who have come to the islands um, for um, uh, using the Safe Travels program have primarily been from North America. Uh, and so I'm hopeful that um, international travelers will even boost our economy more. 
I know that you said that you're still in the planning process of how to roll out the red carpet for tourists, if you will, but when can we expect that announcement? Uh, probably in the next uh, week or so. I mean, you know, we are working and meeting and talking through that. We continue to see the numbers trending in the right direction. So uh, it really is um, in the next week or so. And as we wrap up here this morning, I want to provide you an opportunity just for just some final comments and moving forward as we look at some of these new uh, rules and the restrictions that have been lifted that you announced on Friday. What, what is your final message for those watching here this morning? Well, I just really want to thank uh, all the people of Hawaii for um, being willing to sacrifice um, to help our community be healthier and stronger. Um, I uh, am cautiously optimistic that um, this trend will continue and we'll be uh, able to um, relax restrictions and get back to normal. I am hopeful that our holiday season, the Thanksgiving and Christmas will be um, significantly better than last year. Um, and, you know, if we can c continue to do the things we know that work, wear our masks, uh, maintain physical distance, especially from those who uh, we don't know what their uh, health status might be. Uh, and most importantly, encourage those who are not vaccinated to get vaccinated. Uh, this holiday season will be much, much better than last. So thanks to everyone. Let's certainly hope so. That was a tough one last year. We are hoping for better things. Thank you so much for starting your week off with us and for taking so much time this morning. We appreciate you. Yep. Thank you. Aloha. Aloha. Well, great to hear from the governor, as always. Uh, some some big things that came out of that. Interesting for him to say, I mean, we've talked about this sort of back and forth over time, but for him to say there is no percentage of vaccination that would lead to a blanket lifting of restrictions. So uh, we knew that for some time because Dr. Libby Char has said you'd need probably around 95% of the community to be fully vaccinated before that would be reasonable. So that 70% went out of the window long ago. But I think that's the first time I've heard the governor say, you know, point blank that there is no actual percentage. Yeah, and that they will continue to use the hospital as a metric and as a point to see how some of those restrictions may be lifted. There was some conversations, as you mentioned on Friday, that uh, Hilton Rathel said that the hospitalizations may not be that factor, that determining factor of those types of restrictions that should be lifted or not. But the governor is saying that that will always be a key indicator of what uh, he will allow and what won't be allowed is the hospital capacity and how uh, what they're seeing there on the front lines. We also heard, as you said, at the end of uh, as we heard at the end of this interview, uh, seven million visitors still arrived in Hawaii in between the anniversary of this safe access uh, or safe travels, I should say, program that began a year ago on October uh, 13th. So there is a, a lot of visitors that have obviously still come to Hawaii and the governor is saying that the state is in a financially good place because of those visitors that helped boost the economy last year. Yeah, and it felt like they all came this summer all at once. We had such that such a big rush. Tourism officials, of course, are pushing the governor, tourism leaders pushing the governor to make that announcement and tell visitors that Hawaii is open for business and that they can come for the very busy holiday season. The governor pushing back there saying it's going to take another week or two that he's meeting uh, with different parties and trying to figure out what exactly the message should be. So even though there is that pressure from the hospitality industry, he is holding off at least for now. And we could see further restrictions being lifted over the next two weeks. Uh, of course, that big announcement happening on Friday, 
where they amended some of the restrictions for gathering sizes for events such as athletic events at the University of Hawaii and weddings. Uh, there could be further restrictions that are lifted, but he's saying there should be a, uh, there will likely be about a two week gap between when these uh, initial uh, restrictions are lifted and when any sort of recommendations or new uh, amended rules will come out. So we'll uh, continue to stay posted and watch those numbers and see if in a few weeks any of those changes also are implemented. Yeah, he's encouraging everyone, to, of course, to get vaccinated. He said there's about 9% of the population now that's eligible for vaccine. That's not counting those under the age of 12, but just 9% of the community that has not engaged in that first or second dose. Uh, he's hoping that the restrictions that are in place and some of the sort of cumbersome things of having to get tested or having to have vaccine verification to get into certain establishment, he says, will eventually just sort of force people's hands. Um, we know that there are some people who are very adamant and don't want to get this vaccine, no matter what the what it takes. But that 9%, he's really hoping to at least chip away at it in increments so that we get closer to having our community fully vaccinated. Uh, we are going to be talking on Wednesday with Mayor Rick Blangiardi. Of course, he was part of that conversation on Friday. So what is he looking at when he's thinking about what should be lifted? Um, of course, a lot of this does come down to the county decision. So we're really excited to talk to him on Wednesday. Looking forward to that conversation with the mayor and encourage all of you to tune back in here on Wednesday uh, and let us know what your thoughts are and your questions for the mayor. We'll see you right back here on Wednesday for another edition of Spotlight Hawaii. Until then, stay safe and aloha. Aloha. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii was brought to you by Chaminade University.